Good evening, this is Pamela, and you are listening to Watchmen on the Pod. We are going to continue with our reading from the book Billy Graham and His Friends, written by Dr. Kathy Burns, and this is Chapter 2, and I believe this is Part 3. Rock Music for an Altar Call Another group used by Graham at his crusades is the Charlie Daniels Band. In an interview with Daniels by the Huntsville Times, July 31, 1994, they quoted him using profanity. A former witch says that this band, I'm sorry, quote, this band is famous for its song about a violin duel between a man and the devil for the man's soul. This is ungodly and worldly band, and to associate the precious blood of Jesus to such a country western perversion is inexcusable. Unquote. Yet this is the band who was chosen to play country rock before the altar call. At Graham St. Louis Crusade, held from October 14th through the 17th in 1999, once again we find the musical guests included Michael W. Smith, the Charlie Daniels Band, Kirk Franklin, D.C. Talk, and C.C. Winans. Graham's June 2000 crusade in Nashville, Tennessee also featured groups like Jars of Clay, D.C. Talk, Kirk Franklin, and Stephen Curtis Chapman. Graham had previously used jars of clay in his October 1998 crusade in Tampa, Florida, and in his Quebec, Canada crusade in June 1998, as well as most recently in his Jacksonville, Florida crusade in November 2000. By the way, Jars of Clay, currently 1997, the most popular Christian band, patterns their music after the Beatles and other secular groups. Shortly before Graham had them perform in his crusades, this group had recorded for an R-rated film loaded with live-in lovers, nudity, graphic violence, and 83 obscenities. The lead vocalist from this band said, We don't want to be called a Christian band because it is a turnoff. Jerry Huffman perceptively added, Don't worry, we would not accuse it of such. Billy Graham's son, Franklin, is now taking over the administrative and management burden of Graham's ministry and will replace him when he retires. One researcher notes, Quote, in succeeding his father, Billy Graham, Franklin has to keep up with the times, reconfigured some of the outer trappings of the Crusades. George Beverly Shea has deferred to the grittier, rowdier, and hunkier Michael W. Smith, says the 4 out of 5 Christianity Today, or the 4-5 Christianity Today. The shorter attention span of today's audiences forces the young Graham to keep his message to 15 minutes. Video clips keep the audience entertained between speakers, CT says. Franklin no longer calls them crusades. That's a church word. They are festivals. That's a secular word. For baby boomers, this invokes images of Woodstock. This is called being seeker-friendly. Uh, might also be called watering down, men-pleasing, 
compromise, or catering to the world. Franklin, too, uses the so-called Christian rock to attract crowds. Quote, Charlotte Observer, September 28, 1994, reported that 10,000 came Monday to hear Christian rock, followed by Graham's updated call to confess sins. Later, the same article reported Franklin had rock group Audio Adrenaline pump up the volume on heavy metal with a gospel twist. This is a Christian Led Zeppelin. Crusade MC Jim Branch shouted to the teenagers. Unquote. Quote, Time, May 13, 1996, reports that Franklin Graham desires to make the Crusades musical component less churchy and more accessible. The Quick and the Dead, a Christian rock band, punk band, I'm sorry, not rock, punk, punk band, has played at one of his Crusades singing, I'll dress like a woman, bear my butt, but sometimes I wish I was me, unquote. How can groups like this possibly reach the youth with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can't. And since they can't, why have them perform? It's not only a waste of time, it's also a waste of money that was sent to the Grams organization to reach lost souls. One researcher gives the following story. story quote, Folly of putting Christian lyrics to rock was brought home by an incident related to me by one of my former students. Doug's parents, Elmer and Ruth Workington, served as missionaries in Kalamantine. One day, his sister Jan received a visitor from the United States. Jan's friend had brought along some of the latest Christian contemporary albums. The walls of Camelantin homes are not noted for their soundproofness, and as one of these songs were being played in the living room, the music flooded out into the street. Some members of the local congregation happened to be walking by and heard the strange sound coming from the missionary's house. Wide-eyed and bewildered, they rushed to the house and asked excitedly, Why are you calling on the spirits with your music? They had no way of knowing that what they were hearing was not the music of the medicine man, but merely the latest Christian music from America. To them, this meant only that the missionary had left his senses and was communicating with demons. Unquote. Although the rock music night at Graham's Crusade has been going on for almost a decade, over 30 years ago in 1969, Graham announced that, as a supplement to the nightly rallies, a new future in the form of a huge coffee house would be set up in nearby Manhattan Center, where the young can gather afterward and talk in an atmosphere of psychedelic lighting and amplified folk rock music. Most adults never knew that such a thing was taking place since it was held at another place. The Bible tells us that we edify ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19. Furthermore, some of the counselors for Graham's Crusades are not living for Christ, even though some of them profess to be Christians. 
When Graham was in Las Vegas in 1978, he refused to condemn gambling, and one of his counselors, Larry Trumber, was a casino employee. Trumber continued to work at the casino and claimed that, quote, while he is dealing the cards for the gaming tables, he witnesses for Christ, end quote. Coretta Scott King. Let's return to Coretta Scott King. Remember, she was on the platform with Graham at his Atlanta crusade. She and Graham were also the co-chairs for the International Summit of Baptists Against Racism. Newsweek, however, mentioned that some people think Graham is hypocritical on the issue of racism because of his decade decades-old membership in the all-white Biltmore Forest Club near his hometown of Montreat, North Carolina. Mrs. King just happens to be one of the first endorsers of the New Age group called Planetary Citizens. She is listed among the officers and trustees of the globalist New Age organization, the World Constitution and Parliament Association. She has also endorsed a New Age book entitled, Happiness is a Choice. Furthermore, Coretta Scott King serves on the Advisory Council of SANE, S-A-N-E, a nuclear disarmament organization. She was also a speaker at the Spirit of Peace Conference in March 1985, along with Buddhist, New Agers, shaman, a Bilderberger, a Zen master, and others. She has even been a speaker for Sun Moon, Sun Moon Moon's organization. Moon is the founder of the cultic and occulted Unification Church, better known as the Moonies, and has had help from the Rockefellers. Also of interest is that the prominent political figures have endorsed Moon are those with ties to the NWO, the New World Order, and include Ted Kennedy, Mason Mark O. Hatfield, Mason Mark O. Hatfield, Mason Jesse Helms, and Illuminatus William F. Buckley Jr. Let's spend just a few minutes looking at some of the other personalities who were on the platform along with Coretta Scott King and Graham. One of them was Joseph Lowry. He was president of the leftist Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which we've already covered. He is one of Jesse Jackson's close friends, and he excused Jackson's extra extramarital affair as just a human frailty and discouraged Jackson from withdrawing from his public life. Andrew Young. Andrew Young was also there with Graham. He was the former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, three-term congressman, and the former mayor of Atlanta. On April 13, 1970, Young proclaimed that it may take the destruction of Western civilization to allow the rest of the world to really emerge as a free and brotherly society, unquote. He is a Council Foreign Relations member and a trilateralist. The Trilateral Commission is a group with the goal of hastening the era of world government 
and promoting an international economy controlled behind the scenes by the secret brotherhood. Young is also a Freemason. Young is on the advisory board of the National Peace Institute Foundation and the board of directors of Habitat for Humanity, HFH. Founder of Habitat, Millard Fuller says, states, quote, Habitat is a sympathy with the effort of the World Council of Churches and other groups to influence churches and God's people to cooperate and work together. It is in agreement with the general purpose of the National Councils of Churches. Our desire is that we be even more of a unifying force, bringing more churches to work together. He adds, so get out your hammers, Catholics and Protestants, liberals and conservatives, reform and orthodox, Unitarians and Trinitarians, Gentiles and Jews. We have some houses to build to the glory of God. The theology of the hammer binds us together in common ministry, unquote. In March 2001, officials of the NCC and Habitat met, met together and signed a memorandum of understanding about mutual goals. More than 25,000 or 18 percent of the NCC's 140,000 affiliated churches have supported local Habitat affiliates. Our formal partnership agreement will give us the opportunity to make even more of these churches Church's members feel connected to Habitat for Humanity, said Sister Betsy Van Dusen. Director of Church Relations for Habitat, this agreement makes perfect sense. The NCC official expects the joint work will foster spiritual growth in the churches as well as produce physical buildings constructed through volunteer efforts with Habitat. Fuller was the keynote speaker at March at a March 4th through the 5th, 2001 meeting at Duke University. There he stated, we don't have doctrine. The only doctrine we have is that if you don't have a Habitat bumper sticker on your car, you're living in sin. Unquote. Former President Jimmy Carter, Buck Colson, Amy Grant, Madonna, and Cedarville College have all assisted Habitat in recent years. Also, Habitat has recently joined hands with the Masonic Lodge in Tennessee. In 1996, Fuller addressed the plenary session of Habitat II at Istanbul on the subject of sustainable housing, etc. He expressed a kinship with United Nations Habitat, unquote. One editor concludes, Habitat for Humanity is rooted in ecumenism, centered in ecologism, and slanted toward socialism, unquote. In fact, Habitat for Humanity is one of the groups that has participated in occultic New Age World Goodwill's World Surface Forum. Fuller is also on the editorial board of Green Cross, an environmental magazine. He has signed the Cry for Renewal document. This document says, David Kant, quote, 
is, in fact, one of the best examples of the ideology and agenda of the ecumenical Christian left. And I use the term Christian very loosely. Evangelicals for Social Action is the springboard of the initiative. However, signers and endorsers include Steve Hayner, president of the Inner Varsity, Pete Hammond of InterVarsity, and basically every left-wing global socialist operative from the World Council and National Council of Churches and the Catholic Church, unquote. It was written by Jim Wallace and Tony Campello as an alternative to the Christian right. Jerry Huffman states, quote, Some have described radical sojourners, editor Jim Wallace, as Jane Fonda's male clone. He was pro-Viet Cong communist during the Vietnam War. He passes for an evangelical and heads the call to renewal. Campello is a liberal, to say the least, who is for gay rights. In his book, 20 Hot Potato Christians Are Afraid to Touch, he advocates homosexual covenants in which males trying to elevate loneliness vow to live together in celibacy. Campello thinks it's okay for two men to cuddle with each other in bed, but he does imply that it is wrong for them to marry. Tony Campello's wife, Vicky Campello, however, is a big proponent of homosexual marriages. He believes that the majority of homosexuals are born that way. He is one of the spiritual advisors to President, former President Clinton and calls him a brother. He added that Clinton is an evangelical Christian who wants to be religious, unquote. Many ways to heaven. Of course, regardless of who the person is, Campello believes that Jesus lives in everyone whether or not that person is a Christian. He said that Christ actually is present in each one. In his book, he states, quote, The little boy was more than a starving child. That little boy was Jesus. The, the resurrected Jesus is in every person. I do not mean that others represent Jesus for us. I mean that Jesus actually is present in each other person. Forgetting our divinity is responsible for a host of maladies that plague our contemporary society. There are those who would limit Jesus being present only in those who acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. But I will not accept that limitation. I believe that Jesus is present even in those who refuse him. Unquote. He adds, quote, We affirm our divinity by doing what is worthy of God's, and we affirm our humanity by taking risks only available to mortals. God had to become one of us before he could be heroic. Isn't God's message to sinful humanity that he sees in each of us a divine nature of such worth that he sacrificed his own son so that our divine potentials might be realized? Unquote. During a visit to New Zealand, Pello told a large group of teenagers, quote, Jesus is everywhere and in everyone. When you go out there today and you witness to a prostitute, the Jesus in you will be witnessing to the Jesus that is already in her. Unquote. With such statements, it's not surprising to find that Campello does not believe that Jesus is the only way to God. Says Campello, quote, I believe going to heaven is like going to Philadelphia. There are many ways. 
doesn't make any difference how we go there. We all end up in the same place, unquote. To help him defend this statement, surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, he quotes Billy Graham, who says that on Judgment Day, there may be people who enter the kingdom who have not called themselves Christians, unquote. Even though Campello's analogy about going to Philadelphia is a poor one, not to mention one of unscriptural one as an unscriptural one, a common sense tells a person that not just any road will get you to Philadelphia. Furthermore, as a person gets closer and closer to the city, the choice of roads drastically diminishes. Although going to Philadelphia cannot begin to be compared with going to heaven, there are still not many ways to get there. Regardless of what Campello and Graham teach, Jesus explicitly said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14.6 Christianity Today, CT, Graham's Magazine, has had favorable reviews on Campello's books and has defended him and his heresies. In fact, C.T. even defends Campello's evolutionary views. One person writes, quote, While he accepts an evolutionary view of the origin of man in the universe, albeit not Darwin's version, he holds that this is consistent with scripture that teaches only the fact, not the method of creation, unquote. Furthermore, Campello has referred to God as a she my friend went to hear Campello in 1994, and he was telling about God making a daisy and then jumping up and down and clapping, etc. Campello said that God made another one and another one, and then she made another one, unquote. He also claims that one-third of the Trinity is female because he believes that the Holy Spirit is feminine. Since Campello is promoting New Age ideas, it's no surprise to see that he also promotes New Agers as well as the New Age environmental agenda. He's favor he favorably refers to Pierre Telhard de Chardin, Martin Booger, I look almost like Booger, and St. Francis, Madhama Gandhi, and Martin Luther King Jr. He brags about his visit to the New Age occultic church at St. John the Divine. He writes, quote, I was presently surprised during a visit to New York City when I happened upon a special day of blessings for animals at the great cathedral of St. John the Divine. Once a year, a Sunday afternoon is designated for people to bring their animals to this Episcopal church in order to receive blessings and prayers from the pastors. Hmm. All kinds of people bring all kinds of animals so that the clergy might lay hands on these special creatures in the name of Christ. What made this service particularly amazing to me was that in addition to an array of the expected house pets, a variety of New York Zoo animals ranging from a camel to sheep and goats were on hand to be blessed. Some tourists visiting the church that afternoon were amused, but others, perhaps for the first time in their lives, considered the special place the animals hold in God's scheme of things. 
This unusual church service was a brilliant educational tool. Other denominations should pick up this idea and make it a part, regular part of church life. We must explore all ways to raise the awareness of church people to the reality that animals have a right to, be, to have a blessed life and have a uniquely ordained role to play in worshiping God that stands apart from any unilateral function they perform for us humans." Unquote. Animals in Us Campello goes so far as to refer to C.S. Lewis's strange view of animals in regard to human beings. He writes, quote, According to Lewis, animals can be so much part of our lives that they become a part of who we are. As such, our resurrection must encompass this resurrection too. When we humanize animals by making them our pets, they are in us. They share in our personhood. They enter into the spiritual depths of our being. Accordingly, Lewis believed our resurrection would be less than it ought to be if our animals did not share it with us. Their future is tied up with the people who love them. Their only resurrection is in relationship with those who have made them part of their lives. We save animals. Lewis claimed by training them and incorporating them into our own destiny, animals are in us in a way. Lewis claimed in an analogist to the way we are in Christ, thus even as our eternal life is in him, so the resurrection of animals is tied up with our resurrection. Unquote. What blasphemy. Whew. Campello also states, quote, what is needed is repentance. I believe we should repent of those sins we have committed against the environment. It would not be a bad idea for us to set aside a day once a year to confess our sins of environmental terrorism. It would be good for us to periodically acknowledge that because of sins against the environment, we have limited nature's power to magnify and worship the Lord." Unquote. And Palo also declares that the communistic theory of liberation theology has influenced him. Even March 1992, issue of Charisma magazine, refers to his belief as Christian socialism. Campello also has also helped to promote Habitat for Humanity, and he has spoken for the National Council of Churches, which will be covered in Chapter 4. In one of Campello's books, he praised communist heroes such as James Kuhn and Martin Luther King, the blasphemous German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and fellow new evangelical radical Ronald Sider. Campello and Wallace are the individuals who drafted the Call to Renewal. Sadly, Billy Graham's magazine, Christianity Today, advertised this conference in the April 8, 1996 issue. The same ad appeared in the New Age Journal. Of course, David Neff, executive editor at Christianity Today, was one of the featured speakers and J.I. Packer, senior editor with Christianity Today, and a speaker at Billy Graham's Amsterdam 2000 meeting in 2000 was also a signer to this document. Tony Campello has even been sponsored by the World Affairs Council, which is an arm of the Council of Foreign Relations, as far back as 1981 to speak on terrorism. The World Affairs Councilors, WAC, in Philadelphia is the same group 
for which the Declaration of Interdependence, mentioned in Chapter 1, was written in 1975. WAC, W-A-C, gave Rhodes Scholar Dean Rusk its World Citizen Award in 1994. Would you believe that Billy Graham was also awarded the World Citizen Award by the WAC in 1990? The News and Observer stated, quote, The award will honor the evangelist for promoting and fostering international understanding and world peace, unquote. Better World Society Returning to Andrew Young, we found that he signed the 1993 Interfaith Declaration of World Thanksgiving, along with those of other faiths such as the Bahá'ís, Buddhists, and Muslims. Young is also involved with the Better World Society, along with such celebrators as Paul Newman, Carl Sagan, Theodore Hesburgh, Joan Woodward, Yoko Ono, John Denver, Dr. Bernard Lone, Mario Cuomo, and Jane Alexander, which is working for population control, environmental issues, nuclear disarmament, etc. Ted Turner is the chairman of the Better World Society. If you remember, he called Christians bozos and losers. One of the Better World Society's brochures, Increase and Multiply States, Quote, support your local chapter of Planned Parenthood, zero population growth, Albanian society, or other organizations concerned about international population issues. Help educate your community about population growth, unquote. They then list about a dozen addresses of such groups. Young also signed a SECSUS which is Sex Information and Education Council of the United States, ad which appeared in the October 16, 1969 issue of the New York Times. S-I-E-C-U-S is discussed later in this book. Like Mrs. King, Young sits on the advisory board of SANE, S-A-N, Freeze, he was also one of the vice presidents for Americans for Democratic Action, ADA. This is a leftist organization for working for nuclear disarmament. The ADA has distinguished itself for its support of the homosexual movement. Even the Los Angeles Times reported the following, quote, The ADA members are an organization strikingly like the British Fabian Socialists. The Fabians stood for non-Marxism evolutionary socialism to be achieved not by class war but by ballot. ADA is not an organization for subversive violence like Marxist-Leninist communism. The socialism they want to bring about would be quite as total would be quite as total industrially as that in Russia, but they would accomplish it in legislation, not by shooting, and of course, by infiltrating the executive branches of the government. They have. Graham favors disarmament. Andrew Young is the new president of the Liberal National Council of Churches, NCC. Quote, Young led an NCC delegation to China in October, and despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary, 
he found no evidence of excessive punitive treatment of Christians that we would use the word persecution to describe. The very week he delivered his report to the NCC, Generally Assemble in Chicago, the AP reported that the Chinese had beaten and arrested over 140 underground church members, unquote. Young is also a board member of Archer, Daniels, Midland, EDM. EDM has been given grants and contributions to the Council on Foreign Relations and is a corporate member of the CFR. Its chairman, Dwayne Andres, was described by the Wall Street Journal as Moscow's favorite businessman when questioned about ADM's reprehensible use of financial contributions to influence politicians and recruit the government bureaucracy on its behalf. ADM chairman Dwayne Andres made the startling admission, people who are not in the Midwest do not understand that this is a socialist country. And I'm going to stop that there for now. I don't want to go too well. No, it's only been 30 minutes, brothers and sisters. So I should go ahead and keep going, huh? And I'm going to. All right. Elion and the NCC. Young, as president of the NCC and board member of ADM, has an interesting connection to the Elian Gonzalez case. As some people may be aware, the NCC was profoundly involved in returning Elian to Cuba. As a leader in the NCC, quote, was instrumental in raising $50,000 in legal fees for Juan Gonzalez's legal fees. Wow. Unquote. Where's the so-called separation of church and state when the liberals are involved? One reporter writes, quote, By now, anyone who has followed the saga of Elian Gonzalez knows that the NCC is deeply involved in the story. NCC officials were instrumental in convincing Greg Craig, the Washington lawyer whose previous clients have included Bill Clinton and John Hinckley, to represent Elian's father, Juan Miguel Gonzalez. The NCC chartered the jet that flew Juan Miguel to Washington. From its offices in New York, the NCC press office has issued statement after statement demanding that the U.S. government return Elian to Cuba. At every point, the NCC's position on the case has been indistinguishable from those of the Cuban government, down to its insistence that the boy not be given American citizenship. Why would a church group spend so much time and money propagandizing on behalf of an atheist government famously intolerant of religious expression. The official NCC explanation makes vague references to human rights. The more accurate answer might be habit. The National Council of Churches has long gone far beyond the call of fashionably liberal Protestantism in its defense of Fidel Castro. Unquote. While NCC leaders have verbalized their esteem for Fidel Castro, there is a fascinating twist. You see, quote, Archer Daniels Midland have invested $65 million in a so-called molasses refinery in Cuba 
through a subsidiary, which makes it actually an illegal venture. Rum is made from sugar cane molasses, so this is actually an alcoholic liquor distillery. What makes this interesting is a Andrew Young, president of the National Council of Churches, is a board member of ADM. Young sends so-called woman NCC preacher to get the child back to Castro and protect ADM's investment. Clinton's lawyer, Gregory Craig, who is the lawyer for the child's father, a Castro policeman, is also the lawyer for ADM. ADM has plans to make other so-called refineries in Cuba. Clinton and Reno got an illegal warrant to break into a citizen's home and kidnapped a young child whose mother died to get him to America, possibly to keep Castro from taking over ADM's illegal distillery, and then they cry about the rule of law, unquote. Wow. Young has also gone so far to call the communist Nelson Mandela as close to being a saint as can be. Another person Young likes a lot is Joshua Nicomo from Rhodesia's Patriotic Front, which is a coalition of terrorists. Nicomo said, I will not rest until the rivers of Zimbabwe, Rhodesia, run red with the blood of every white man, woman, and child, and every African who supports them, unquote. Just recently, Young was at a Presbyterian church in the United States, meeting where he reiterated his support for homosexual rights. Oh, I might add that Andrew Young was a former assistant to Martin Luther King Jr., as was Jesse Jackson, in the rioting-provoking days of King's Southern Christian Leadership Conference. It's obvious to see that Young is very sympathetic to communist cause, causes, but Graham proudly had Young and Mrs. King on his platform. Loretta Scott King and Andrew Young aren't the only ones in favor of disarmament. Billy Graham also favors this. In September 1962 issue of Graham's magazine, Decision, he wrote, quote, I support the United Nations and I certainly support the disarmament conference, unquote. On March 29th, 1979, Graham was on the CBS Evening News. Jed Duvall asked him about the disarmament, and Graham responded, I'm in favor of disarmament, and I'm in favor of trust. I'm in favor of, of having agreements, not only to reduce, but to eliminate. In 1980, Graham gave glowing approval to the National Council of Churches, extensive research and advocacy work for the cause of disarmament. In 1982, Graham had been invited to address a Soviet-sponsored peace and disarmament conference in the Soviet Union, which will be covered later. Robert Schuller. Returning to Graham's 1994 Atlanta Crusade, we find that Robert Schuller, pastor of the Crystal Cathedral, Cathedral, was also there on the platform with him. Schuller was the largest as the largest TV audience of all the televangelists, yet he promotes the occult practice of visualization. He wrote an editorial encouraging visualization in his Possibilities magazine. He also promoted this technique when he wrote the foreword to Paul David Yangi Cho's book. Cho is a former Buddhist who is now supposedly a Christian, but he still uses occult practices. Schuler's mentor was Norman Vincent Peale, 
who has already been covered in this book. In fact, Schuler has been referred to as the Norman Vincent Peale of the West Coast. He said that Peale was the man who had the greatest influence upon his theology and ministry. Since Peale was a heretic, as far as the fundamentals of the faith, then we can also expect to find the same thing to be true of Schuler, since Peale was his mentor and had an influence upon his theology. Schuler teaches there is no need for no for one to recognize his own personal sin, no need for repentance, and no need for the crucifixion of self. Wow, that's Trump's pastor. Remember that. <laughs> A spirit guide, actually a demon, says somewhat the same thing. Sin does not exist, and no one is punished for sin. And you, uh, J.A. and J.W., are not sinners. Some of Schuller's heresies can be found in his book entitled Self-Esteem, the New Reformation. For instance, he reinterprets what it means to be born again. He writes, to be born again means that we must be changed from a negative to a positive self-image, from the inferior to self-esteem, from fear to love, from doubt to trust. On the very next page, he writes, and we can pray, our Father in heaven, honorable is our name. Whoa. Here Schuler is trying to improve the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' disciples had come to him and asked him to teach them how to pray. Jesus told them, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus clearly taught how to pray, and it can be seen that only God's name is to be honored or hallowed not our name. In this minute, Schuler attempts to do the same thing that Lucifer did when he said, I will make myself like the Most High, Isaiah 14, 14, saying that our name is as honorable as God's name is blasphemy. Isaiah 42, 8 declares, I am the Lord, that is my name and my glory, I will not give to another. Once again, our spirit guide echoes, once again, a spirit guide echoes Schuler's statement, or is it Schuler who is echoing the spirit guide? God's name is holy, but no holier than yours. To call upon his name is but to call upon your own. Wow. Wow. I don't even know what to say Whew. Schuler loses his cool. Schuler goes even further in his assertion that we are gods. He writes in his Possibilities magazine that nothing ex exists except God and that Christ dwells in every human being, whether the person knows it or not. Of course, this means that even Satan is God or good since nothing exists except God. This view is very prevalent in the New Age movement today. William Wark, a New Ager, tells us, you are up of the same stuff God is, and that is nothing but good. You are good. You are not evil. No one is evil. New Ager, Barbara Marks Hubbard, who channels a demon spirit by the name of Christ, claims, I, Christ, did not rise again on the third day to show you what I could do, but what you can do. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Wow. Wow. A few more quotes from Schuler's book follow. Quote, what do I mean by sin? 
Answer. Sin is any act or thought that robs myself or another human being of his or her self-esteem. And what is hell? It is the loss of pride that naturally follows separation from God. The source of our soul's sense of self-respect. A person is in hell when he has lost his self-esteem. I don't even know. Oh my God, have mercy, Jesus, on my soul. All right. We need... Oh my, let's see. Ooh. What we need is a theology of salvation that begins and ends with a recognition of everyone's hunger for glory. Christ is the ideal one, for he was self-esteem incarnate. Are you serious? Yes, what we need in the worldwide Christian church today is nothing less than a new reformation where the 16th century reformation turned our focus to sacred scriptures as the only infallible rule for faith and practice. The new reformation will turn our focus to the sacred right of every person to self-esteem. The fact is the church will never succeed until it satisfies the human being's hunger, hunger for self-value. Wow. The most serious sin is the one that causes me to say I am unworthy. Oh, my God in heaven, Jesus. And follow me? What does this mean? It means daring to dream a big dream. It certainly isn't how Jesus explains this passage of Scripture. Quote, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Check those out in Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, Mark chapter 8, 34 through 37, and Luke chapter 9, 23 through 25. Schuller also wrote, quote, Christianity with its doctrine of salvation is a faith by God for the glory of the human being, for the greater glory of God. Because of this we can pray, O God, I am great. I cannot believe I'm reading this stuff. Did this man really say this stuff? My God. All right. Quote, Schuler contends that the most destructive thing that can be done to a person is to call him a sinner. In an article in Christianity Today, October 5th, 1984, Schuler said, I don't think anybody has been done in the name. I don't think anything has been done in the name of Jesus and under the banner of Christianity that has proven more destructive human personality and hence counterproductive to the evangelism enterprise than the often crude, uncouth, and unchristian strategy of tempting to make people aware of their lost and sinful condition." Unquote. The Bible, however, states, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus said, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mark chapter 2, verse 17. 
Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, Luke chapter 5, verse 32. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. James chapter 5, verse 20. There is nothing more loving than telling a lost sinner that Christ can save him. But Schuler thinks that this has been destructive or counterproductive. In 2000, Schuler had an advisor to President Clinton, was an advisor to President Clinton, pushed his greatness a little bit too far. Schuler, who had been drinking alcohol, was on an airplane when he assaulted a flight attendant. The attendant said that Schuler shook him vigorously, causing injury and pain. Dr. Alan P. Dickerson remarked, quote, Schuler, who has such a loving ministry that he will never preach on the wrath of God for fearing or driving people away from God and will never call the lost sinners, lost is cool, unquote. In spite of Schuler's reinterpretation and misinterpretation of scripture and his endorsement of all forms of Eastern meditation, such as TM, Zen Buddhism, and yoga as valid methods for the harnessing by human means of God's divine laws, editors from Christian T uh, Today, Christianity Today said they examined his theology and have concluded that he is not a heretic but that he believes all the fundamental doctrines of traditional fundamentalism. He adheres to every line of the Apostle Creed with a tenacity born of deep conviction. I guess this isn't surprising since Christianity Today was founded by Billy Graham. Quote, In 1972, Schuler invited Catholic Bishop Fullerton J. Sheen to his pulpit and joined with Catholic bishops at their mass at the annual Mary's Hour at the Los Angeles Sports Arena. That same year, Billy Graham made Schuler a leader in his Anaheim crusade. Graham said, There is no one in the world I love in Christ more than I do, Bob Schuler. He has done some of the greatest things for the kingdom of God of any man in our generation. Remember, Billy Graham has frequently appeared with and praised Schuler. In 1983, Schuler sat in the front row of the distinguished guest invited to honor Graham's 65th birthday. In 1986, Schuler was invited by Graham to speak at the International Conference of Internet Evangelists in Amsterdam. On one program, Schuler boasted to be pleased Graham to be a pleased Graham that thousands of pastors and hundreds of rabbis and over a million Muslims a week watch his hour of power. Imagine the ingenious tightrope walking it takes to please this divergent audience. In fact, Schuler no longer wants to be called a Christian because it cuts him off from Hindus and Muslims. All right, I'm going to end it there because I need time to walk away from this. I really do. These things, they bring great grief to my soul, to my spirit, and uh, it angers me, and I don't want to uh, bring shame upon the Lord, and you know, because I've got to learn to control my opinion and my anger and stuff, and just, you know, read this so we can all see the truth. So I love you all so very, very much. Keep your eyes on Jesus, brothers and sisters, please. I cannot tell you 
enough, and I know I say it every single video, but I mean it with all of my heart. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your nose in the book, which is the Word of God. And embed the Word of God upon the tablets of your hearts, so you will not sin against God, and that you will not be deceived. Let me tell you what, there's great deception out there. There's people I had no idea. None at all. I love you all so much. Bye-bye.